Okay, so I have an analogy I'm going to use, if that's all right. So it's running. So if there's any runners out there, uh, maybe this will resonate. Even if you're not a serious runner, even if you just have ever worn a pair of running shoes. So here's the deal. When you first start running, you might have one pair of running shoes that you use. You find that one good pair of running shoes, and that's a good place to start. But as you start going and building up, you need more running shoes because they do different things. So here next to me in our um, recording studio slash closet, um, I have my running shoes and I have the Pegasus, which are a good everyday uh, shoe. Um, But for tempo days, I have the the Nike Pegasus Turbo here. And so I'll use that. And I also have my new Zoomfly 5s, which are a little more of an everyday shoe, but can also do some speed work like tempos. And then for the real um, up-tempo days where I'm doing speed work on the track or maybe really want to turn in some good splits, maybe a race day shoe, I have my Vaporflies. And then for just everyday... um, Every day walking around, I have a different pair of shoes and on and on. So it's not just running. It's, it's But that's kind of how I've come to see credit cards is like it actually is helpful to have a diversity of cards for different situations. So it's fine to have more. You have to track them. And just like I track the miles in my shoes, how many they have when it's time to be replaced, track the credit cards, how, how much utility they have under getting. And as long as they have it, you, you keep them around. Welcome to the Disney Points Podcast, where our goal is to help you take that dream Disney vacation without blowing through your savings. With ticket costs and hotel prices constantly on the rise, we want to show you what's possible when you introduce credit card points and miles to the Disney equation. I'm Kim Shear, and you can find me on my blog, vacationpointers.com, or at my Instagram account, at vacation underscore pointers. And I'm Sam Holland, and you can find me on the web at almostfreetraveling.com, or on Instagram at Almost Free Traveling. And now, this is the Disney Points Podcast. Hey, it's Sam. And today's episode features my trophy husband of the last two decades, Mr. Almost Free Traveling, Darren. And I'm not objectifying him by calling him that. I'm bragging because he's a master's semi-elite marathon runner. I think that's how you say it. And he's also my player, too, in Points and Miles. So that's going to be a lot of what we talk about today is just how we got into Points and Miles together, how I convinced him into Points and Miles. So welcome to the pod, Darren. This is your 15 minutes of fame, maybe. Do you remember back when I suggested that we start opening credit cards so we could earn Points and Miles to use for travel? And what went through your mind? Well, just like being on your podcast, it took a little bit of convincing. I remember when you first asked me. So uh, I remember thinking that's going to cause more complexity in my life. And most of my life revolves around simplifying. So I thought, well, is there going to be is there going to be a good trade off on this on this proposition was was what went through my mind. Okay, Darren is an INTP Enneagram 5. And, and he's a minimalist. So if that helps you understand what he was just describing, what I hear you saying is that for you, it wasn't the credit scores. It wasn't anything like that. It was more, oh my goodness, I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to track all this. That's right. My ideal situation would have been one credit card that actually don't even have a card. All it is is just a digital card in my wallet, aka the Apple card. But... But alas, I, I came around once I saw the, the trade-offs. But that would probably be where I would natively just go if I didn't have you showing me uh, an alternative. 
Well, lucky for you, I did show you an alternative. Do you remember what convinced you? I think your relentlessness probably was number one. And um, your tears. um, And those are probably the, the two. Yeah, relentlessness and your tears. No, actually, I I don't really remember what put us over the top or where. It was probably just try this one and we'll see how it goes. And and it was probably related to some marathon trip that we we're going to go on or thinking about going on. And um, wasn't that it? We were we were talking about a a hotel potentially or our housing situation. If we opened this card, it would kind of do this and it wouldn't cost us any more. We'd be able to stay at this place or maybe bring our family. I think that might've been the impetus for it. Maybe Vancouver, BC. I can't remember for sure, but that, that seems to ring a bell. Okay. Did I really cry? I don't remember crying over it, but maybe I did. I mean, that's not totally out of character for me if I'm trying to convince you of something, but I think it was our Germany trip. You had qualified for the Berlin Marathon. So you were trying, you decided you want to go for your six-star medal. So you had to run six marathon majors around the world. One of them was in Berlin. And we just thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be so expensive. How are we going to do it? I wanted to take the kids to Disneyland. And so I think what I did to convince you at first is I funded our lodging with credit card points in Germany. The Airbnb. Okay. That's that's kind of ringing a bell. I know that we got maybe used some miles to get our family over there too. So I think it started coming together. But yes, I. it's all coming back to me now. If you can convince your player to just, on, just start with one credit card. Have a redemption in mind. We're going to open this card. It's going to earn us this many points. And this is what it's going to fund and then let them experience that. Um, And also, you know, knowing what their objections are. And if they're like Darren, then maybe they just need to see that you have a spreadsheet and a plan and you've put some thought into it. Or maybe they need to see my account. Maybe they need to DM me and ask me questions. I've actually had people do that before. Hi, my wife follows you and I need to ask you questions because she wants to travel in points and miles. So that's always an option too. Okay, so Darren, it's not like you didn't leverage spend on credit cards before we started actually earning points for travel. You were really into cash back cards. You still are. Do you remember which ones were your favorites? Do we still have them and use them? Yeah, it's our, I think our oldest card, which I I think I knew before, but now I really know don't ever close that one or it'd be a real um, situation if we if we had to. But um, it's the U.S. Bank Cash Plus card or Cash Rewards card, Cash Plus. And it's rotating categories. I think they've changed how they've done it over time, but um, have just paid attention to what the cashback categories are in that card. And then we've also had a city card because of our Costco membership. And it uh, you know, gives the, the higher return on Costco purchases as well as, as gas and restaurant. And I think those were the two main cards. And then the Apple card came into the equation and uh, has higher redemptions as a baseline when you use Apple Pay. So I think those were kind of the three cards that were would probably be in the mix just um, regardless. I know I said I'd be a one credit card person. I could, 
I could be, I could do, I could go that route, but those three seem to be kind of catching most of the the significant categories um, that we that we were in. But then, as we got into um, looking more at travel, obviously the other cards became a little more uh, lucrative uh, beyond just the the, um, the opening balance or the opening spend bonus. Yeah, so that we do still use that U.S. Cash Plus card. We use the rotating. 5% categories, depending on what they are. So it's kind of like if you have a Freedom Flex or a Freedom Unlimited or you follow those cards, you might be familiar with those rotating categories. Just keep an eye on those. Um, for instance, I just today saw that I had a Chase offer. Disney offered me 5% on my stupid Disney Visa that I only have because Mickey's on the front. And I got a little cash bonus when I opened it. But I am happy that they offered me that. That's so, but that's only through June 30th. It's on groceries and I need to use it so we can get our, our 17 Disney rewards out of jail. You have to have 20 Disney rewards to redeem your Disney rewards. And so anyway, um, keep an eye on your rotating categories. Okay. So I have an analogy I'm going to use. That's all right. So it's running. So if there's any runners out there, uh, maybe this will resonate. Even if you're not a serious runner, even if you just have ever worn a pair of running shoes. So here's the deal. When you first start running, you might have one pair of running shoes that you use. You find that one good pair of running shoes, and that's a good place to start. But as you start going and building up, you need more running shoes because they do different things. So here next to me in our um, recording studio slash closet, um, I have my running shoes, and I have the Pegasus, which are a good everyday uh, shoe. Um, but for tempo days, I have the, um, the Nike Pegasus Turbo here, and so I'll use that. And I also have my new Zoom Fly 5s, which are a little more of an everyday shoe, but can also do some speed work like tempos. And then for the real um, up-tempo days where I'm doing speed work on the track or maybe really want to turn in some good splits, maybe a race day shoe, I have my Vapor Flies. And then for just everyday... Um, Every day walking around, I have a different pair of shoes and, and on and on. So it's not just running. It's, it's But that's kind of how I've come to see credit cards is like it actually is helpful to have a diversity of cards for different situations. So it's fine to have more. You have to track them. And just like I track the miles in my shoes, how many they have when it's time to be replaced, track the credit cards, how, how much utility they have under getting. And as long as they have it, you you keep them around. And so we have the Amazon card and that's a nice 5% on Amazon purchases. And sometimes there's heightened um, bonuses through that card, or sometimes other cards are offering bonuses on Amazon. And so we just have that in the repertoire. So um, anyway, there's, there's your running analogy. Yeah. That was another card we got early on was the Amazon card and it made sense for us. And it still does. We still use it for 5% Amazon rewards. Um, unless there's a card that has a better quarterly offer, which we did have this quarter with the Freedom Flex. They were offering five times ultimate rewards for Amazon purchases. Um, there was a cap. You can earn $750, I think is the cap. But So I just switched out the Freedom Flex, but I'm going to switch it back to Amazon. We'll just go back to five times rewards because we do purchase a lot on Amazon. And just circling back to that city Costco card, we do still have that card and use that card. We buy about 50% of our groceries at Costco and we buy all our gas at Costco because 4% back on gas and groceries plus it's the cheapest gas in town. So don't discount your cash back cards and 
don't just close all your cards because you start opening points cards that earn ultimate rewards and things. You never know when you're going to need those categories on your cashback cards. So Darren, how do you think our strengths balance each other when it comes to travel hacking as a couple? I mean, I remember I made the spreadsheet and then once you saw the spreadsheet, you optimized the spreadsheet. And I probably still have some more optimization to do, but yeah, I mean, I, I track the expenses and, you know, use Mint as an aggregator. And so whenever we open a card, I'll make sure that it, it gets in there so I can um, have an overview of all of our cards as well as making sure. I think at this point, we already have accounts with just about every single major bank. So I don't have to add a new app or a new login anymore. Now it's just, it appears in one of those apps. But um, I'll keep track of that and just make sure that the, the account notifications are going to the right place, so that we're staying on top of the... Uh, the payments and make sure that we don't miss any. And to date, we have not not missed one one payment. Um, I think that's where maybe we balance each other, but then you'll push us towards opening a new account, driving vision for a new trip or a new redemption, whereas I'm uh, probably going to be a little bit more about um, <laughs> managing managing what is. Yeah, that's true. I do think I'm always the one scouting out new cards, which ones have elevated bonuses. And then more and more what I'm thinking about is, well, let me give context. So when we first started travel hacking, our kids were little, we basically lived on one income and just didn't have a lot of cash flow, but there were, you know, travel opportunities we didn't want to miss like Disney, the marathon trips. And um, so our spend was lower back then. And so pretty much what we were doing for years is we were always opening a new card and working on a minimum spend. And it would take us, you know, the full three months to spend $4,000 or whatever it was and earn the bonus. And then I would be ready to open another card. And then, you know, every three months going back and forth, opening cards. Well, what happened is our life got more expensive. We have two incomes now. We have teenagers. We have a kid who's about to go off to college. So as life does, life got more expensive. Now we spend so much money that I really can't open a new card and put every single purchase on a new card. Um, I would be opening credit cards too fast (laughs) and we don't want to do that with the banks because pacing is really important. So what I think about now way more than I did back then was do I have cards that really helped me maximize every category. So I'm earning, I mean, 5% is awesome. It's kind of rare, but you know, do I have a card, like a card I really want that I don't have yet is the Amex Gold because I think it's four times on groceries up to a certain amount every year. And we have four times on Costco groceries, 4% cash back on our Costco, uh, Costco City card. But I have to rely on rotating categories for groceries otherwise. So long story short, I I would advise thinking, even at the start, am I opening the best cards to get, um, to earn a lot of spend, to, sorry, to earn a lot of points and miles or cash back, even when I'm not working on a minimum spend. Okay, so Darren, what would you say to someone who's listening whose spouse is skeptical? First, I would I would validate their feelings, see them, listen to them, hear them. And then I would say, 
I have a good trip in store for you if you can you can try this out. Now, I do think that it is a little bit about just trying it out, saying not not going all in, but taking a baby step. Just say, why don't we try this this one card? Not say this is going to be a, a lifestyle of of opening credit cards, but to try one redemption and or one um, opening and and, and uh, one significant redemption and see how that goes. I think that would probably be the way to start because I think that was what I think kind of convinced me. I was like, okay, this. Sh- um, you're on top of it. Like you, um, we did it right. We, we, we're not getting in trouble with the banks. Um, it's not causing too much chaos in our, um, in our financial world. And it actually resulted in a really fun, uh, redemption that didn't cost us a whole lot out of pocket. And that kind of was a stepping stone to the the next thing. So I just think just to maybe just be incremental about it. And before saying this, you know, we're going to go all in on this, just try, just try one. Yeah, that's really good advice. And if you'd like, you can always send people episode two, which is a beginner's episode. Uh, I also have a beginner's guide I can send if you message me on Instagram. So we have lots of resources for anyone starting out who just really wants to do their research, which that's you should do your due diligence before you start opening credit cards. Yeah, I I still have an internal resistance every time we are about to open a new card. It's like, oh, okay. Like I have to con- reconvince myself it's worth it to to do it. So that's just maybe always there based on you know based on certain personality types. But I but I've kind of gotten over that in my own mind with the knowing the return on investment is there, and so I just what I can talk myself past that. But early on, it was a little harder to get past that internal monologue saying this is going to cause. Uh, you know, whatever, either real or imagined friction in my life. Okay, it's time to transition to Disney because this is a Disney podcast and we're Disney people. Who do you think likes Disney more, you or me? I think we like different things about Disney and I don't know if there's a there's a winner in, in this category. There, it kind of goes back and forth. So we both grew up going there, and uh, yeah, my family, we grew up taking road trips uh, down, I don't even know how many times we made the trip down I-5 from Portland um, in the back of the old Caprice Classic, um, and we st- we'd always make a stop halfway in San Jose and then make the trip down to, to Anaheim, and we had other family there, but um, and our, our trip started at you know, maybe one day and then eventually expanded to two or three yeah, but um, yeah, that was just a, a normal part of growing up. And initially, it was appreciating the rides. Yeah, but over time, begin to appreciate all the detail, especially that started going to other parks. Like, uh, well, we grew up going to Knott's Berry Farm, and I liked Knott's, but I think that there was something about the whole experience of Disney, yeah, just top to bottom. And uh, when you went to the other parks, um, you know, after that, like um, either Universal or Magic Mountain or Great America, they were fun. And some of their coasters were were awesome, but the, uh, just the Disney whole top to bottom experience from the cast members to the park design to the operations, as well as the the ride theming, just I've always appreciated that. And that's probably you have some similarities there, but I think those are the things that really draw me in and that I I love about Disney. Yeah, I remember the story your mom always tells is how Mount St Helens erupted here outside Portland. And your family immediately got in the Caprice Classic and drove to Disneyland. And there's some sort of cute part of the story your dad tells where 
you woke up in the parking lot and it was, you'd been sleeping. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I don't remember it, but I remember the story because I've heard it so many times. But essentially, I woke up early and then we went to the park all day. And I guess I fell asleep and, you know, on the way out of the park. And I woke up the next morning and I I guess I kind of was like, did that actually happen or was that a dream? I made that comment. Yeah, I was like three or four. And so anyway, my my parents love to, to retell that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the nostalgia is strong with your parents. So, and then of course, carrying on the family tradition, your sister did the college experience at Disney World. Yeah, she worked in a, a few different places while she was there, but the main job she had was at um, what was then Downtown Disney. And there was a part of Downtown Disney that was adults only called Pleasure Island. Seemed, seemed kind of scandalous, still does. Did at the time, maybe a little bit. But it was like the, uh, yeah, the adults area. So people would be walking around with their drinks in hand. And the, I remember going to visit her. And uh, we went to the parks, too. And, and that was really fun. I remember some of her... Um, that was when I learned about eating around the world. That was the first time I'd heard about that concept uh, around Epcot, going to all the different restaurants. And uh, I got exposed to a little bit of that. And that's when I also learned about how there's cast members from the, the host country. So when you go to Germany, they're all Germans. And when you go to Japan, they're all Japanese. And that was kind of cool to see. But um, my sister worked at yeah downtown Disney and we went to a dance club. I'll never forget it. It was called Mannequins. Um, not there anymore, but um, if you are a longtime Disney goer, you might remember that club and it had a spinning circular wood dance floor. And I remember dancing to club or house music with my sister. And that was, that was awesome. Yeah. You guys both love to dance and are good dancers. Okay, so I know it's hard to choose, but if you had to choose one of our Disney trips as your favorite, which one would it be? Our Thanksgiving trip. The last one? Yeah, where we went with family and family friends. And so there was 10 of us total that were going into the park um, most days. And uh, that was just really fun because our kids had friends to be with but we'd do some stuff with families sometimes kids would break off sometimes it'd be adults um but it was at disneyland too and we had more than enough days to do the two parks so we were in both parks multiple days at disneyland and california adventure the weather was just about ideal we could walk over there and it was just a really really good trip so i really enjoyed that and our kids were at a really fun age too i mean they were uh i think like 10 or 11 and uh 14, 17, some, somewhere around there, maybe 10, 13, 16, something like that. Yeah, that was really fun. That was in 2021. It was during COVID. We had to wear masks. And so we have tons of pictures of us with masks on, but it didn't matter. It, I mean, it, it might have even made it better because we were just so happy. We went to Disney multiple times during COVID. But my sister was there with her boys, too. If you live on the West Coast and you go to Disneyland during a school break, you see people you know. It was in contention when we went to Disney World this past uh, Thanksgiving. But what's definitely not in contention is the two-hour wait in the Ratatouille line with our family because we went and instead of doing our plan, where there was some miscommunication about, we've sorted this out, but there was miscommunication about when the park opened and when boarding groups could go to Mission Break or uh, to Cosmic Rewind. And so we should have 
gone in, gone on Ratatouille first thing, and then gone over to our boarding group. But instead, we walked all the way across the park, did our boarding group, and then by the time we got back to Ratatouille, it was like a two-hour wait. And I guess the silver lining is now it's a it's a shared memory with our family, um, a shared negative memory that we now laugh about. But that Ratatouille line was probably our our worst Disney experience as a family, waiting in two, two-and-a-half-hour line at Ratatouille at midday. Yeah, we were too excited to ride Cosmic Rewind. We were, too, we were rookies. That was the first time we rode it, I think. And we were worried we, if we weren't there. But yeah, you got to rope drop Remy from the International Gateway um, entrance of Epcot. For sure. I remember when you started going to Orlando a lot for work because business headquarters were there you were kind of maybe by proxy in with Disney execs down there at at the parks or started learning more just about the company of Disney. I remember you talking about surprise and delight and things like that. And I experienced your maybe esteem for Disney in general go up and up as you learned more about Disney as a company. Yeah, there was a um, leadership development program that I was a part of, and one of the elements was um, we got a tour. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called now. I'd have to look it up, but it was by Disney HR, and they have a, a, a term for that. But we, um, uh, they took us on a guided tour of Magic Kingdom, and, I, I, and it was like a behind the scenes. And you can do this through other programs too, I think, but this one was through their their HR uh, leadership development program, where other companies can come and get a a view of how they do things. So that was really fun to see like the under the tunnels at Magic Kingdom, see the operations, how they did leadership development and train their their cast members to provide the experience they did. And you could just see even the um the people leading the tour. I mean, obviously it's a, a little bit of a PR play for Disney as well these tours, but you could tell it was beyond that and deeper for those um they just got top-notch people um running those programs and they cared deeply about providing the the experience that you get at the park and that that was part of the the, the Disney experience was the, the cast members and how well um, trained they are to deal with the public and provide that, that Disney magic for everywhere from, you know, little kids all the way up to, you know, the, the grandparents that are there. I also know that you're a huge Bob Iger fan. I think you read his book. Can you say anything? Do you want to share anything about Bob Iger? Um, I mean, yeah, it's a fun story. Obviously, he he wrote it, so it's just like any book where the um, the person that is being written about is involved. It's going to have a you know a, a certain view on it, but I mean, it was really fascinating to see his view on things. And I think that any leader at that level has to deal with um, huge decisions, um, things that come at you that are unexpected. And he opens his book telling the story of being in Shanghai when Shanghai Disney was opening, and so it has this long long-term process to get Disney to be able to have a park in China and what a big deal that was. And so on the same day that's opening, it was kind of one of his greatest achievements. Um, it was the same day that there was the um, the alligator attack at Disney that uh, ended up in one of the uh, a kid getting uh, killed by an alligator and just how devastating that was, obviously for the, the parents and that resort and the whole Disney community. And so you, you kind of had these um, dual experiences on the same day and having to deal with um, 
that and thinking about how to handle it. Um, obviously, there's the PR play, but just personally, how did how did he thought through that, and uh, how he ended up talking to the family and just recounting that experience. And so it w- it really was fascinating to get inside his head in that particular instance. And obviously, to this day, I mean, there's they're still in the headlines. Bob Iger um, navigating just some of the um, current events that we're probably all tuned into, and it, it really is fascinating to watch an executive kind of have. Um, navigate that and and how he does it. Yeah, I think they've removed 250 alligators from Disney property since then. I remember we looked it up last time. We're there as a family. We're doing trivia. So that was at the Grand Floridian, which isn't necessarily even our favorite resort. If you saw us ever buying a DVC contract someday when our kids are out of college, could you see us buying one and where would we buy it? Well, I mean, it'll be all about the price. But if I got convinced on the, you know, the ROI, I, I, I mean, my top price, no object. I mean, it would for sure be probably either um, one of the either the Polynesian or um, um, Animal Kingdom. I think those are those are my top two, and, and probably for similar reasons in some regard, the aesthetic. Um, obviously, the Animal Kingdom has the animals, which are really fun. And last time we were there, getting to see those and just that has such a unique feel and something that you would pay a, an absolute premium on anywhere else just for that experience alone. Then the Polynesian just has the the um, well the South Pacific vibe, which is just kind of our jam. Yeah, I remember taking the kids over on the monorail to, we were staying at the Swan and Dolphin. We took them over to the Polynesian and they were like, why aren't we staying here? <laughs> we were like, we've been hiding this from you because we don't want to pay to bring you here. <laughs> Someday, maybe. Um, Darren, what are your fondest childhood Disney memories? One or more. Um, I remember Space Mountain was always like the highlight. It was like Space Mountain was a big deal. And I remember it, they've changed the um, the queue now, but there used to be an escalator going up the front center. And that was just kind of magic when it's like, once you get on that escalator, you're entering into this Space Mountain uh, environment and uh, walking down that hallway with with all the sounds and hearing the roller coaster in the background. And once you enter the big the big launch chamber, that, that whole thing was always, always up there towards the top of the list for for me and my family and then also splash mountain opened when i was i can't remember do you remember what year i I feel like it was like in the late 80s i want to say 1988 maybe we'll look this up and and validate it later but or maybe right now but when splash mountain opened uh i was uh oh you're gonna look it up yeah splash mountain opened and i remember being there with our family and that line we started i mean it was like the longest that queue has ever been but we got in it and it was really fun going through that whole line because the queue was so well thought through and it kind of built this anticipation and i think it was modeled off we'd we'd ridden the log ride at knott's berry farm so we knew this is water rides are fun and on a hot day which I, i think it was those were always great but that whole queue was so fun and then the ride itself was just so fun and to be on a brand new ride of that scale and magnitude was was really great so that those were a couple things those uh the e-ticket rides space mountain and uh and splash mountain were a couple that, that stand out you were only one year off it opened in 1989 at disneyland so which space mountain do you prefer we've been on three space mountains okay we can rule out the magic kingdom immediately that one's kind of lame 
So we'll, we'll just start there. Uh, the one in Paris was really fun, and it has the loop, right? Which is, spoiler alert if you haven't been on it, but there's a loop in there. But I still like the um, one in Anaheim, especially when they do the the Star Wars theme. I, I just think that should be a non-negotiable that they keep that the hyperspace mountain with um, the John Williams score and the Star Wars theme. It just makes, it makes too much sense. I don't know why they don't even just make that a, a standard, but... So I'm going to vote Anaheim. Okay, but I know that's not your favorite Disney attraction. These are two questions we always like to end by asking all our guests. What is your favorite Disney attraction and why? Favorite Disney attraction is the new one at Epcot, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, what's, What's the official name again? Cosmic Yes, Cosmic Rewind. That one is so good. I, I mean, I'm just smiling on it from the time it starts and actually from the time that the Guardians show up in the, the pre-ride show with uh, with Drax and, um, and Star-Lord and, and everybody and then um, the ride itself with the music. The music of Guardians to me is just what makes that ride and shows how important music is. I mean, Rock and Roller Coaster is really fun. But uh, I think that the top two for me right now are um, Cosmic Rewind at Epcot and then uh, Mission Breakout. Is that what it's called? At um, California Adventure, the Guardian's there too. Again, because of the music. when uh, Once Rocket plugs that thing in and it starts, the music kicks in, it is just immediate fun and you can't help but smile the whole time. And uh, there's other great rides like Cars and Incredicoaster and all of the classics at Disneyland, but nothing I think puts... Uh, puts me in the same kind of mood as as Guardians do with with those two rides because because of, of the music. Okay, and last question: If you were a Disney character, who would you be, and why? I don't know if this is my favorite, but I always kind of resonate with Mickey as kind of being the kind of the even keeled sane one in the midst of the like the insanity of Donald and Goofy and and all the others around him it's kind of like this <laughs> so i don't know if he's my favorite character but i always kind of resonate with with that it's a good that's a good answer and do you know i watched a show on disney plus that explained why mickey's like that so mickey used to be a more developed character with lots of different emotions but there was a time and i think it was way back when it was still black and white and very early on when they decided that I think fans didn't like how Mickey got angry and some of his outbursts and things that he did in the Steamboat Willie days. And so they, they put, they channeled all of Mickey's anger into Donald Duck. <laughs> so poor Donald Duck gets a real, like no one ever says they want to be Donald Duck. I mean, I don't know if we're, if we're counting Marvel or if we just want to go with strict Disney canon, but if it's if it's Marvel, I mean, Doctor Strange is probably the one that I resonate with most of, of the characters, kind of observing, figuring everything out, being kind of weird, but also kind of cool, if I may. I can confirm that's a good choice for you, Doctor Strange. Not very emotive, kind of serious but ultimately has this wisdom because he's thought about everything and has insights that other people don't have. So it's like a sneak attack. Just when you think because he's not expressive or 
as much of a conversationalist as Iron Man, he might actually save the day. Kim and I love bringing you Disney content every week. Thanks for showing your support by using the credit card affiliate links in the show notes. It costs you nothing and means everything to us. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of the Disney Points podcast, where we'll unpack another way to save on your next Disney vacation. See you real soon.